We're in this series we started last week for Advent called The Rest of God. And the idea is playing on the word rest. As Hebrews, the book we've been in and will return in January, has had us focusing on this idea of striving to enter his rest. There is a rest that God promises us. A rest that is in his presence, that is in his promises, that is even in his name, which we'll see today. But there's another side of rest, and that is there's more to come. There's more to the story. Already this side of heaven, we can experience profound realities of his rest, but not yet fully. That's the already, but the not yet is still to come. And the not yet is when we, his people, will be in that rest eternally, where there will be no more tears, no more hunger, no more thirst, no more anxiety, nothing that we feel so frequently in this restless world that we live in. So thinking of restlessness versus rest, we turn to the word of God, specifically the name of our Savior found in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament as well. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 and 9, 6, and then from Luke 1, 26 to 33. Listen for the name of our Lord. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, You've given us your word, and you, our good Father, have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are always at work in the lives of believers, illuminating the word of God, your word, illuminating the Son, our Savior, illuminating our hearts and minds to believe the truth, and oh, how we need you. We are restless. We are restless today. We were restless yesterday. We know the temptation to be restless is always before us and inside us. But by your power and for your glory, 
you have the ability to overwhelm us, us with your presence and your peace. Overwhelm us and bury us in your glory as opposed to us being overwhelmed by the circumstances of our lives. So Spirit of God, please do that work even now. For this season and for this moment, this session in your word, do a profound work in my heart and the hearts of all who are here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One weekend to Advent. What's defining your life more right now? Rest or restlessness? Rest is not inactivity. It's not just simply taking naps or saying no to more things. It could be that. It's part of that. But rest is a posture, a countenance, a submission, a trust. One week into Advent, are you being defined more by rest or restlessness? We live in a very restless world. Restlessness is external and it's internal. You can leave and go on a retreat where all external noise essentially is taken from you and then you'll really begin to hear how loud the restlessness is inside you. What that shows to all of us is a pretty substantial gap. A gap between what God promises us in him and a gap between what we are really experiencing. Rest versus restlessness. Christians don't really look much different than the world when it comes to rest. We don't often look much different from the world when it comes to peace, even though we know what the Word of God says about His peace, about who He is in us and who we are in Him. Restlessness more often defines our days as we end them than does rest. And restlessness more often defines the moment we wake up than rest. It's like C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, it's like a herd of wild animals rushing at us each morning. And this, the first task is simply to push them all away. But that's hard to do. Even thinking about doing that can create restlessness. This week, two members of our church, I saw a day apart. There wasn't a scheduled meeting, but I ran into them when one of the women said to me, I'm trying so hard after Sunday to rest. I just can't do it. I just can't. You know what the truth is? She's right. This is not something we in our own power have to do. We can't. Our efforts to try and rest will prove their restlessness that's in us. There's a big gap. The next day, seeing another woman in our church, she looked really restless. She didn't even have to tell me she's restless. But it was the same story. But I didn't need their stories. I have my story. And I know how easy it is for that profound restlessness to wreak havoc on my life and to take me from a place of rest in who I already am in Jesus. 
This morning, I want you to understand that Christianity is not a gimmick. It is not one more idea of self-help books that will create in you some opportunity to have a more peaceful life. That is not what Christianity is. And that's actually not what sermons should ever be either. I'm never seeking to offer you a quick fix gimmick that's suddenly gonna make you experience, just for a little while, some semblance of rest. Christianity is about an identity. It is about a relationship where the living God himself is inside us. His rest is given to us in his person and work, not in a better app for task management, not in a better book that shows you how to have balance in your life. Christianity is about a relationship. And if your life looks extremely restless, the issue is how you see your identity in Christ and not so much your techniques for spiritual disciplines. That's a really important thing that I ask God to help us understand. Restlessness should never be the, the pervasive posture of Christians. It shouldn't, but it often is. And the reason it is has to do with identity, not technique, identity, not just a short list of things that I can do better. And that's why we're in this series, which I love. I need it. Last Sunday, I preached under the title, The Rest of His Presence, meaning that God is with us, living inside us, living inside other believers, living inside our children who profess faith, living inside other members of the Big C Church. And he already, we experience something of that rest, but not yet fully, for one day his presence will be face to face. We literally, who are in Christ, will see him face to face. This morning, we're going to look at the rest of his name. And next Sunday, we're gonna look at the rest of his government. So let's spend time this morning on the rest of his name. Three families, a few minutes ago, two in the next hour, are bringing their children for baptism. It's a beautiful picture. Father, what is the name of your child? Thought went into those names. Some essentially were already known. It's our family's tradition to name the first son, whatever it might be. Others don't have those traditions. Parents simply pick the names that they like, that maybe they feel the Lord led them to, that have some sort of meaning. But names matter. Names are important. Names often have power and tradition. My name is very generic. Mark Allen Davis. There are many Mark Davises. There are many Mark Allen Davises. In fact, when I graduated college, I received the wrong diploma. <laughs> the only difference in the diploma was the degree and the spelling of the middle name. Mark Allen, me, A-L-A-N, Mark 
Allen, A-L-L-E-N, was the only difference, along with the degree. And his degree was much better than mine. <laughs> Never knew him until that day our names were called. In Dallas, there's a Mark Davis who's a radio announcer. Some of you listen, some of you don't. There were billboards years ago when I went on my first sabbatical, and they said, where is Mark Davis? <laughs> Some of those billboards still exist. It's not me. Sometimes I get mail, official mail. Are you the Mark Davis who dot, dot, dot? No, <laughs> that's not me. That's the guy on the radio or somebody else. Names, they matter, and they have power. I have some friends who are incredible name droppers. Are you? My wife would say, I am. Why wouldn't I be? You drop the right name, things change. You, you drop the right name, for a moment, you entertain a different identity. You drop the right name, for a moment you take on a different status. You drop the right name, you have different access. You drop the right name, you have for a moment different power. And you know what I'm talking about. If I get invited somewhere, and the person that's invited me has some level of notoriety, some power, some status, Access is granted. If I try to do the same thing in my own name, in my own power, my own status, access is denied. And I've found out that if I don't stay with that person the whole time behind the curtain with the person that I've been with, that access is denied again very quickly. Name dropping, being connected to someone with status and access and power. We're drawn to that, and why wouldn't we be? A name on your resume might open the door. A name given to a ticket holder might let you meet people you might never meet. If nothing else, the right name often gives you better service, makes things go faster. I've had meals with people in this city that have names and have power and have access, and I have felt the difference in that moment, sitting at a table with them or walking through a restaurant with them. That power's real. That access is real. That status is real. But it's all temporary. The moment I'm not with them anymore, the moment that relationship is distanced, whether for good or ill, access is denied. There's nothing wrong, essentially, with name dropping. There certainly could be. But what I want us to see today is that there is a name that is unlike any other name. A name that changes your status, that changes your access, that changes your power because the one with this name is living in you if you've trusted in his name. 
Restlessness. How do we overcome restlessness? Isaiah gives the prophecy of Mary having a child. The child is to be called Emmanuel. His name, we are told, is Jesus. But that's not his only names. Two chapters later, Isaiah tells us that his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want you to hear this sentence. Our restlessness will turn to rest. Our restlessness, no matter what you are restless about right now, our restlessness will turn to rest when he, Jesus, is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. No matter what circumstance you are facing as a single person longing for a spouse, as a parent longing for your children's spiritual vitality, as an employer longing to do good with the work he's called you to, our restlessness will turn to rest when he, Jesus, is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. Dropping into us his very presence is the spirit of the living God. His name is Jesus, but his name is also Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what can those titles, those names do to our restlessness? I wanna try for a few minutes to give you one thought that you can take with you about each of those words. But before I do, to protect you and me from treating this as a gimmick, I must tell you that this is only true for Christians. This is only true for those who professed faith in Jesus Christ, and it's not a gimmick. It's an identity. And the identity is centered on a spiritual truth called adoption. Now I wanna read something to you before I give you one thing for each of those words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And it's what the Westminster Confession of Faith says about adoption. And I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to all that's promised those who have been adopted by the living God. Hear the truth that should bring so much rest. Adoption. Adoption is God guaranteeing the adoption of the, all those who are justified in Jesus. What that means 
is that we're covered by Jesus. We're covered by his perfect life and his perfect death, his righteousness and his blood. Justification simply means a person is saved and is resting alone in Jesus for salvation. So no one who is not justified is adopted, but adoption is for all who are justified. God guarantees the adoption of all those who are justified in Jesus. Those who are adopted enjoy, listen to this, the liberties and privileges of God's children. We're God's children. We're God's children. His name put on them. His name put on you. Receiving the spirit of adoption having access to the throne of grace with boldness and are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy. They, we who were adopted, are pitied in the right way. In other words, compassion. They who are adopted are pitied, protected, provided for and disciplined by him as a father. They are never cast out, however, and are sealed until the day of redemption and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. I know that's a lot, and the way it's written is, is, is dense. But you who are in Christ have the name, God's name, over you. You are covered by another. You are covered by the only one who can give you status and access and power to the living God. And that which is promised is not something that's only going to come later, but something that begins to happen now as we rest in him alone for our salvation. So as adopted children, our restlessness continues because of the restless world we live in and the, restless, the restlessness that continues inside. Our restlessness will turn to rest when, as adopted children, Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father and our Prince of Peace. So one thing for each of those. When Jesus is called the wonderful counselor, what that's telling us, as it was telling the people in this very dark time for them, this very restless time for them, that you will have a counselor that's wonderful. And this wonderful counselor living inside you is the living God. One thing to take with you to help with your restlessness. God, Christ, is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Whatever is creating restlessness in you right now, he can learn nothing about. An earthly counselor can learn. A pastor can learn. A spouse can learn. A friend can learn. But God can never learn anything about whatever's making you restless. Your restlessness will turn to rest when you trust in him your wonderful counselor. This 
name given to Jesus' mighty God. If you're in a real restless season of life, meditate on the word mighty. For God, it's not some power of might. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Sometimes we can learn from our children when they sing with fervency the truth about who God is. And speaking of his might, these children learn to sing, my God is so big, so strong, and so, say it louder, mighty. mighty. My, yes, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God can cause a teenage virgin girl to become pregnant with God, man. And when the angel spoke to Mary, she said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to Mary, all things are possible with God. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And the children end by saying, for you. It's true. This week is the battle exists between rest and restlessness. Sing that song and preach that song to yourself. Our God, his name, Jesus Emmanuel, is also named Everlasting Father. To understand the goodness of this God, go to his omnipotence, go to his omniscience, and go to this text which shows his love. Luke 11, 11, Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is called the everlasting Father in this text, revealing to us the attributes of a Father who gives good gifts. And here already is this Trinitarian picture of this God giving us his Spirit the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father is living in you if you've been adopted by him. Lastly, there's this phrase, the Prince of Peace. When restlessness is our great reality, rest is gone. If rest is gone, peace is absent. How does that restlessness give way to rest? It's when we rest and the truth of who he is, Jesus, our wonderful counselor, omniscient, our mighty God, all-powerful, everlasting Father, all-loving. And from that, this throne of peace, this royalty of peace, we receive what Paul said. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
that God, who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the peace of God, from the Prince of Peace, he will give us himself. And in giving us himself, he gives us this peace, this rest. And Paul describes this rest this way. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. And that's why when believers rest in who we already are as adopted daughters and sons of the living God, we can rest through whatever providence God has brought our way. Whatever season that is causing us to wonder or wander, we're his adopted sons and his adopted daughters. So this week, daily and throughout each day, remember Christianity is not a gimmick where I can give you a quick three-point, five-step, short book on how to have rest. It's about an identity. So from your identity in Christ, bring your restlessness into his name. As you bring your restlessness into his name, his light, see his compassion for you. And remember your name. Remember that his name is over you. Remember that your permanent status is not your earthly name, but the name that is above all names. That your name has been written in the book of life. And then I want to encourage you to do one thing, one other thing. Pray backwards. In the name of Jesus, my wonderful counselor and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace, I lift up my husband, my wife, my children, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, my parents. In the name of Jesus, I bring into the light whatever is making me exceedingly restless. In the name of Jesus, you have status. You have access. And you have power. Power to boldly approach the throne of Christ where the Lord our Savior says, come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father in heaven, we believe, help our unbelief, give us a greater depth of understanding who we are in you. And for those this day who might not be confident 
that they are in Christ, if what they've heard today stirs their heart and creates in them a longing to be one with you, would you bring them to saving faith? Even now, they would pray for salvation. If that is you, dear friends, talk to me or one of the other pastors or somebody in the corner who would love to pray with you. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for this rest and all that is still to come. We pray in your holy name. Amen.